What's next after the impeachment trial and how are Republicans reacting to the evidence presented this past week? We'll hear from Indiana Senator Mike Braun, plus the latest on the state's fight against coronavirus. We'll talk with State Rep Renee Pack, who wrote a letter to the governor urging the state to get teachers vaccinated. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. The impeachment trial wrapping up with former President Donald Trump acquitted by the Senate for a second time, even after senators saw chilling surveillance footage of lawmakers and former Vice President Pence escaping the violent uprising on Capitol Hill last month. Rashad Hudson has a recap from our Washington bureau. Rashad? It is therefore ordered and a judge that the said Donald John Trump be and he is hereby acquitted of the charge in said article. It was no surprise, but former President Donald Trump's second impeachment trial ended like the first one. The Senate voted to acquit the former president of inciting the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Impeachment managers and attorneys for Trump made their closing arguments Saturday afternoon. The events of January 6th can never happen again in this country. Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline urged senators to convict and disqualify the former president from ever running for office again. Lead impeachment manager and Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin said that Trump incited and encouraged those who stormed the Capitol and failed to take action to protect lawmakers and his own vice president. If that's not a high crime and misdemeanor against the Republic in the United States of America, then nothing is. Attorneys defending former President Trump said House managers failed to prove that Trump encouraged the violence at the Capitol. It is an unprecedented action with the potential to do grave and lasting damage to both the presidency and the separation of powers. Rashad Hudson reporting. Congressman Andre Carson said the House impeachment managers made a clear and compelling case and said some Republicans were ignoring a mountain of facts in his words. Senator Todd Young, after voting not guilty, said he remained troubled and saddened by the events of January 6th, but thought it was improper under the circumstances for the former president to be subject to an impeachment trial. Earlier this week, we also heard from Senator Mike Braun. And despite the uh, video, which I think was done in a way to kind of take all the tragedy of that day and maybe have it have some impact beyond what we've all seen. I don't know that that occurred because most of that we've seen time and time again. More coverage on the impeachment trial coming up later this morning on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. Well, let's turn now to the latest on the coronavirus crisis. The state's numbers still trending down in recent weeks, but we're still waiting on additional groups to become eligible for the vaccine. This week, the CDC put out new guidelines for opening more schools. This as the debate continues over when to vaccinate teachers, something that's already taking place in our neighboring states, but not here in Indiana. The governor this week again stressed the importance of first vaccinating people at highest risk for death or serious illness. Once we get to the point to where we're doing 50 and older plus comorbidities, you're gonna, you're, you will have addressed 98 percent of the, the death risk yeah mm -hmm. and so and then your task force will you won't wait until then but then you'll be making decisions about how to move forward when we get to that point 
Now, this week, I spoke with newly elected state representative Renee Pack from Indianapolis, who wrote a letter to the governor asking for teachers to get prioritized and vaccinated as soon as possible. Teachers are valuable. I think I use the word essential uh, personnel, and they deserve to be vaccinated as such, as essential personnel. I mean, they've done everything they possibly can to get themselves and our students through this tumultuous year. They just want to go back to school. They just want to go back to school and feel safe. And if nothing else, I think they deserve an opportunity to be vaccinated if they want to be vaccinated against COVID to give them peace of mind so that they can continue doing the, the great work they've always done. It's a tough situation for us because the teachers are really critical. We know we need them to be in those classrooms. But hey, I got Indy bus drivers that is just as important. They're picking up people that are high risk. The governor and state health officials have said essentially the same things in terms of prioritizing those who are who are high risk. What's your response to that? You know, I understand. We have many essential workers here in Indiana, bus drivers, included and I expect the work that they do also but what I'm saying is a little bit different from of bus drivers the way this plan is rolling out now our teachers especially um, such a uh, majority of the teachers being younger they might not even get the vaccine this year which still keeps them open to you know contracting the virus these are men and women that are in front of kids every day, every day. Everybody's bringing in whatever, and you know there's such high risk, and they just want the freedom to teach. State Representative Renee Pack there, who has also spent time working in the Wayne Township schools. Also at the State House Thursday, House Republicans unveiled their two-year budget plan. It puts more of a priority on school vouchers with less money for traditional public schools than Governor Holcomb's budget proposal. The GOP budget also cuts the cigarette tax hike proposal in half. There's also the bill that would protect businesses from lawsuits related to the pandemic. Some lawmakers want to encourage businesses to reopen without the fear of being sued, but some critics fear it could create obstacles for legal claims that have no connection to the pandemic. The quick and easy fix for this would be to just very clearly tie it to claims for illness or death related to COVID-19. This is, as I said earlier, mostly some comfort level for business owners, but it's not the drastic change that a lot of the opponents are trying to make it out to be. Senate Bill 1 just passed a third reading in the House and now heads to the governor. Also at the State House, a number of bills this session dealing with local control of government that could have a big impact here in Indianapolis. Some feel Republican lawmakers are going too far in their efforts to wield more control over the city government in Democratic-controlled Indianapolis. Kayla Sullivan has more. We need a better partnership. The Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce originated and helped circulate this letter to lawmakers urging them to resist interfering with local government. More than 60 indie businesses and nonprofits signed on. Certainly want to take their thoughts and uh, ideas into consideration and are doing that. Uh, but uh, some, with some of these bills, there's some compelling reasons to try and 
move them forward. Just this session, lawmakers proposed to shift oversight of the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department from the mayor to a governor-appointed board. And they went against Governor Holcomb's veto on a bill that bans local government from regulating tenant landlord matters. However, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have spoken against this. I am really tired of that kind of legislation and we seem to be doing more and more of it. We usually, I thought, took as a general guiding principle that we believe the government closest to the people is the best. Another bill stops local government from regulating the design of residential structures. You cannot put a kind of a one-size-fits-all because what is good for Gary, Indiana is probably going to be a lot different than what's good for Zionsville, Indiana. Senate President Pro Tem Roderick Bray says the state getting involved with Indy makes sense in some situations. We have awful lot of state assets here. It is the uh, 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 very much an economic hub for not only central Indiana, but the entire state. But the Indy Chamber says the state needs to trust government closest to the people knows best. We need locally based solutions that have the support and buy-in of the local community. From the Indiana State House, I'm I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, Kayla, thanks. There's also a bill this year dealing with penalties for rioters. Senate Bill 198 in response to violence in downtown Indy last spring. Russ McQuaid takes a closer look at what state lawmakers are considering now. Last spring, social injustice protests started off noisy but peaceful. Two nights later, downtown Indianapolis was in ruins. State Senator Mike Young says his bill penalizes rioters but protects peaceful protesters. But their messages are diminished when we have people who, for whatever reason, uh, whether they're people here or people from out of state, who come and agitate uh, to rile up uh, this peaceful protest to destroy uh, our cities, to tear up our businesses, to harm other individuals. And we've seen that take place. Opponents say the bill casts too wide a net that allows police to charge everybody in the crowd if someone else commits a crime. And even if somebody didn't uh, do the act themselves, if they were all, you know, together, and I don't know what's going to um, constitute conspiracy in this particular instance. The American Civil Liberties Union wrote that SB 198, quote, is ripe for abuse by law enforcement and will violate the rights of Hoosiers. The bill would also make mayors and city councils financially responsible for property damage losses if they didn't anticipate a protest could get out of hand. Because a city decides not to put law enforcement and you blame them, you just created a situation now where everybody's freedom of speech is going to be hindered. Russ McQuaid, CBS4 News. Well, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with our panel about some of these bills at the State House and what they could mean for our city and our state and the impact of the impeachment trial. Our panel reflects on what we've learned and where we go from here. Up next. All right, time to bring in our panel now. Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Jennifer Wagner, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. We heard from Mike Braun earlier who said he, he thought this whole trial was unconstitutional. Andre Carson who said Republicans were ignoring a mountain of evidence. What were your biggest takeaways from this past week, re regardless of the ultimate outcome? I mean, I think the ultimate outcome is one that we've known probably from the outset of this process. But that doesn't make the process any less important. Um, for me, you know, seeing the video footage again, um, hearing all of the threats that were presented imminently to members of both parties, 
Uh, and knowing that President Trump caused that to happen, regardless of the outcome, that's an important conversation, I think, to have both politically um, in terms of where the, the two parties are going, but also in, in reality, there's still a lot of things that are not sewn up from this. I was reading a story last week about the, the two additional police officers who committed suicide following the insurrection. And I think, you know, for, for those families, the families of those who were injured, this is an important process and it, it symbolizes uh, hopefully some healing can come out of this. All right. Tony Samuel was 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign. Tony, uh, what's your response to that and to, to everything we've seen this past week? Sure. There is a mountain of evidence against the people that broke into the Capitol and caused uh, a destruction and death and injuries to the Capitol Police. There is a mountain of evidence from the videos that we've all seen now, but it's against them. They had no business doing that. I've condemned it. We've all condemned it. But President Trump did not call for that. He called for folks that were at the rally to peacefully march and patriotically and peacefully make their voices heard outside the Capitol, never instructed any kind of physical activity, no fighting, nothing like that. His whole thing through the whole four years of his presidency has been to back law enforcement. He said those words uh, again on, at that rally and tweeting them while this was going on. People, uh, uh, th those rioters, they assembled at the Capitol almost an hour before he even started speaking. There were pipe bombs that were uh, put in place at the RNC and DNC headquarters the night okay. before, 7.30 the evening, the night before. He didn't call for any kind of rioting. He called for a peaceful demonstration, okay. a peaceful protest, which happens in D.C. all the time to make their voices heard to the people, uh, to the members of Congress. And so that's why this is another sham uh, okay. uh, procedure by the, by the Democrats. Uh, and, and they won't resonate with the average American vote. You mentioned the word fight. We certainly heard the word uh, fight in this trial quite a lot in different videos, in different contexts. Uh, let's bring in former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, given uh, the outcome everyone has expected, uh, what purpose did this trial serve in your view? Uh, to uphold our constitution, that a president should not incite a riot, uh, that we should not have people going to the hall of Congress while we're trying to, remember this is when we're trying to count the electoral votes and make sure they're ratified. Um, we shouldn't disrupt that process. You know, it's fitting that we're talking about Abraham Lincoln's birthday this, this week. Look what he inherited, but look how he said with malice towards none, that how he put a nation at peace, how he moved the nation forward. And he lost his life doing it. But the fact of the matter is, I always, when I hear these folks on the Senate floor and House floor talking about it was a peaceful protest, I don't think any of them stayed on the floor to find out if it was a peaceful protest. They bolted out of there also. And they're about the president. This guy has the ultimate red phone. He knew what was going on. They could have deployed the D.C. National Guard. They could have deployed people to protect that okay. building and protect the people inside. Yeah. So what does it mean? It means that we have to uphold the Constitution. All right, finally, we go to former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, we, we also heard a lot about former VP Mike Pence this week and the threat that he faced in the Capitol that day. Absolutely. A vote to, uh, to acquit the former president was really a vote to say to condone uh, what looked like was going to become an execution of our own vice president from the state of Indiana. So a vote to acquit was a vote to put 
Mike Pence's life and his family's life in such danger that he could have been imminently executed. Hmm. Um, ultimately, as Peggy Noonan said, this was about whether we should uh, have a republic that stands upon the rule of law or whether any president, set aside Trump, any president in the future, has the right to incite an insurrection and es essentially be an accessory to murder in the last three weeks of office without any accountability. And obviously a split somewhat there within the party about how to handle all this moving forward. Let's talk right now about the latest news from the Indiana State House. changing gears here. Teachers calling for a place in line as the state tries to ramp up vaccinations. You also have a lot of back and forth this week about the General Assembly trying to take back some control from local governments and perhaps from the governor himself, Jennifer. It's, always, it's one of my favorite uh, annual state house activities, uh, and since we've been dominated by Republicans for a long, long time, they get the blame for this. The uh, like, oh yeah, no, we trust locals. We trust y'all to do what's right by the people because you're closest to the people. And then, like, you know, a little bit of time goes by, they're like, hang on, you're not doing it right. We need to come in here and tell you what to do. It's very patriarchal. Um, this is not uncommon. We see this every session. It does seem to be a bit worse this session with folks at the state house coming in and particularly targeting Indianapolis and, and you know, obviously we're a democratic led city. Um, so that's a little frustrating to watch. Um, as far as teachers go, gosh, I really do hope they prioritize them in the vaccine line. Um, we got COVID from, from uh, our kids' school and uh, my, my son's teacher right now has been out for three weeks with it and they really mm -hmm. do need to be protected. I'm wishing them the best for sure. Mike, uh, you served in the General Assembly. We, we've seen uh, bills like this in the past. Uh, are lawmakers taking it even further now? Well, they are. It's the nature of having a supermajority, frankly, where the, the speaker and the president pro tem, you can't control 70 people. It's always better to have a majority of maybe 54 or 55, where everybody knows they has to, have to stay on the same team. But this debate over essentially what is the home rule debate has been going on since 1816, and maybe before during the territorial government, I don't know. That's before your time in the on, legislature, I believe. Pardon me? That's before your time in the legislature, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yes, just yeah, a, just about six months before <laughs> I joined. <laughs> but but I, would, I would call on the, the business executives and their powerful lobbyists and, frankly, wallets to join with AIM, who is the, the group that is, whose mission is to advocate for mayors and have relationships all over the state. I would call on those two groups to come together, form an alliance, and, and shut down some of this anti-home rule legislation. Uh, South side of Indianapolis, it's, it endangers every city in town. Robin, what, what does the city of Indianapolis do in response uh, to all of this in a year where the mayor has faced a lot of criticism from local Republicans on, uh, on issues like crime and other topics in the news? Well, the first thing you do, the only, only city in the country is Kansas City that has uh, state oversight. And that was because of widespread corruption almost at the turn of the century, 1900. Um, you, don't, you don't let somebody living in, in Walcott make a decision about what's going to go on with your police department. The mayor is doing the right things. He's building community-based, and we got to keep doing it. It is not just an issue of, of what do you do about patrols. Look at the processing center now. Look what we're trying to do to deal with mental health issues. We're doing the right things. It's amazing. Obviously, the party of Reagan was a party of smaller government not the party of okay. oversight by big government. Okay, we got to leave it there. We'll be back uh, with our panel for winners and losers coming up next, though, this Sunday in Focus. Big news for the city of Indianapolis when it comes to the Big Ten. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
Big news this week in Indianapolis. The Big Ten men's basketball tournament will indeed be coming here to the Circle City next month. The conference moving it here from Chicago ahead of the NCAA tournament, which will be played entirely here in central Indiana. We're now just a month away from the Big Ten championship game and from Selection Sunday. Well, today was supposed to be a big day here in Indy. The NBA All-Star Game had originally been scheduled to be played this weekend here in Indianapolis until the All-Star events were postponed. They may hold a smaller event in Atlanta next month. Indy's going to get the All-Star Game in 2024 instead. It's a huge loss for the city, but thankfully other events like the Big Ten and the NCAA Tournament have helped in the meantime. It's really had a, a pretty catastrophic impact on our calendar, right? We were teed up to have uh, perhaps the most um, aggressive and fantastic 24-month period. This is a, a great a great chance to, to rebound, uh, pun intended. That's Indy Sports Corp President Ryan Vaughn, who I spoke with recently about all the big events headed our way. You can see that interview and more of our report on the impact here in Indy tomorrow on Fox 59 News at 10. Stick around. We're back with this week's winner. Here's after this. You can watch the Daytona 500 today on Fox 59. Pre-race coverage starts at noon. The green flag drops at 2.30 this afternoon. Time to wrap things up now with this week's winners and losers. Michael, start with you. Well, my winner, only winner this week is Sarah Gonzo-Tate, the regulator who is taking on for the first time in 28 years the Indiana gambling industry. Okay. I am absolutely in awe of her grit. All right. Robin. Um, Mike's firm hirings for running an ad about uh, Paul Logan, athletic director, former athletic director at North Central High School, who unfortunately succumbed to COVID-19. Tremendous ad. Let's wear our masks. Good message. Tony? Uh, losers are the House Democrat managers that brought the impeachment. Um, the FBI has shown uh, that this uh, uh, planning of the, the rioting started days and weeks in advance. My winners are grocery store workers from Giant Eagle, Meyer Kroger, all of those folks have been uh, great throughout the pandemic and they deserve credit. Working hard. Jennifer. I'll echo uh, Mike's thoughts on Sarah Gonzo-Tate. I got to work a little bit with her mom and it is not a surprise to me that she is filled with both grit and integrity. And uh, I would just like to offer my condolences this week to the, the Bai family on the loss of uh, their wife and, and mom, Susan Bai. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Much more on our podcast. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.